Welcome to Fluency with Dr. Darrell Cooper. I am your host, Dr. Darrell Cooper. Fluency is a show where we will talk about things that come to mind. This show is a unscripted. I mean, it can't be fluency and we have trouble talking about different things, right? So thank you so much for joining us. Sit back and enjoy this audio experience. My understanding of my queerness now is so vastly different than even when I came out. But I think that something that remains true is that withholding my truth would be harmful not only to myself, but everyone in my orbit. That everyone in my family, everyone in my community would suffer if I didn't do the right thing. And the right thing was to live my truth <laughs> you know welcome back listeners to another episode of fluency and today i am joined by longtime friend colleague just someone who i admire so much and i'm sure you will as well by the end of this conversation marlon meikle it is so good to see you or indigo day die indigo die <laughs> I mean, you know, you go by many names. I go by many names. You can call me whatever you want as long as you call me. Is uh, something a great woman or man once said. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. So. <laughs> or like Janet Jackson. Like it. <laughs> call, call me Miss Janet if you're nasty. Is that Janet call Jackson? Miss yeah. Janet if you're nasty. But like, as long as you call me. So, Marlon, we we go back yeah. quite a ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Back to your days in undergrad. <laughs> yeah. I remember I would see you. So we both went to uh, Southern Methodist University, SMU together. And you were one class ahead of me. Allegedly, we have no <laughs> proof of if I was one class ahead or three or four behind. We were there at a similar time. <laughs> Marlon, you're just like an entity. We don't know where it begins and where it ends. It just keeps it keeps going. <laughs> I remember I would see you on campus back then. You had like this, uh, like you don't remember, but back then you had this 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 afro. You had this fro with blonde highlights. And like, like everyone was myself, by the way, <laughs> just like in a room, like just, just burning my hair by myself. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I loved it, but it was so like, you, you could not mistake that anywhere in Dallas, Texas for anyone else, but you, and whenever I would see you, I would just go, Marlon, Marlon. It was brand new each and every time. And for some reason that feeling has never left anytime I see you. It still gives me super excited. Thank you. Well, again, thank you for having me and for being here. And it is such a pleasure to see your work from this vantage point, uh, from not being you, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and see how meaningful and impactful what you've been doing and talking about has been. So I'm super excited to be here and to, to chat with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. So let's let's get into it. So for those who have not known you for as long as I have, tell us a little bit about your origin story story, as I like to call it. My origin story. Um, so uh, there's, I, I mean, like, we'll get into it. I was born in Jamaica. 
I grew up in South Florida, lived in a lot of different places. And I think that is a part of who I am, this sort of idea that I move around a lot. When I was a toddler, my parents separated. And so born in Jamaica, I moved to the UK and then back to Jamaica and then to South Florida and then moved on to college in Dallas. I lived in New York for a while, Atlanta for a while. I live in Los Angeles now and all of the while on the road and then traveling and like being places and doing things. So I'm a little bit of a busybody, uh, <laughs> but kind of undergird all of that in terms of work is arts education, a deep desire for sort of equity in that space. And I've had the pleasure of working at performing arts schools for quite some time. And now my work is primarily in the fine arts space. I'm the associate director of admission for Parsons School of Design at the new school. And then I also get the pleasure of, you know, doing something that is slowly becoming illegal across the country, uh, doing drag <laughs> as my persona Indigo die and traveling around the country doing that as as well as doing a bunch of work on Zoom um, uh, in drag, and then also being an actor, which I just sometimes call boy drag, because it really is just, you know, for me, especially like as a kind of queer, non-binary person, it's sort of like, all right, what do you want me to present as today, world? <laughs> you know, like, and so it's really fun to be able to kind of go around and, and play and be able to also spend a good amount of time talking with teenagers who are about to graduate from high school about their hopes and their dreams and their frustrations. It's a constant reminder to me to kind of live my own life as true a way as possible like to the 18-year-old version of me because I'm like seeing the 18-year-old versions of everyone on a regular basis and they've got, they've got so much heart and <laughs> the dream is so big in their eyes. And so it's a constant reminder to stay focused. That's a lot of information, but yeah, origin story. <laughs> well, you know, a lot goes into an origin story. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think I want to actually stay there for just a little bit longer because like thinking back to to like, you know, 19, 20 year old Marlon around the time when I first met you, you were talking about big dreams and like being way mature for your age. You found your way into arts administration, into like school administration very early and, and talk about being a busybody and a hard worker. You were like going to school full time and also still working for the university even back then as well. What was that like for you to be able to like balance all of those things at that age and then kind of seeing how it sort of led very nicely into what you do now in your career as well? I think the question for me is always, what am I doing and am I having any fun, right? Like accepting early on that I've got some anxiety and depression issues that are just present, right? And understanding like what that baseline is. For me, it's always just been about what are the tools that I can have to manipulate my little world <laughs> into being bearable, right? Fully being cognizant of the actual horrors that are taking place all around me on a regular basis. How do I maybe compartmentalized is the right word or not the right word, but how do I compartmentalize enough to focus on a thing and be able to make my little orbit as positive an orbit as possible? And for me, that was fulfilling painstakingly at times <laughs> childhood dreams and childhood efforts, right? Knowing that, like, as an immigrant child from a mom who, like, did not graduate from a four-year school, that was ultimate goal number one, like, had to get that figured out, right? And then once that happened, I was like, oh, wait, I'm realizing that, like, there are human beings who are exactly like me, who have none of the tools or the wherewithal to do any of this 
<laughs> that is that is taking place in my own life. And it brings me great joy to do that as well as it brings me great joy to travel. And so I was able to kind of compartmentalize all of that together. And at the same time, thinking about how to live and be as free in terms of queer expression as possible. And what does that actually look like? I think that as a performer, I'm sort of much more of a traditional quote unquote actor now in my journey than I was at the beginning of my journey, especially after graduating from college. And so I think that a good amount of that time was finding out how to craft the identity of my drag persona, Indigo Die, and use that as a way to kind of like work through childhood trauma, like get those goals out, you know, like I was that kid who was like sneaking into my mom's room and wearing her shoes and her makeup when she was at work. And so I like, needed to fulfill something that <laughs> that kind of started as a child in all of those ways. And staying focused on that was helpful to me. And some of those kernels hopefully can be helpful to other people if it's the joy of drag or if it's access to higher education. <laughs> Oh, there's so many different lanes to go down from there. What was that, the early parts of that journey like for you? You mentioned your Jamaican heritage. You know, what was that like for you just kind of coming into or realizing, you know, we're always becoming a constant state of becoming and evolving. But what was that like for you very early on when you started to understand or unpack your queerness for yourself and then start to go on the road to acceptance of it? I, I... This probably is going to sound cliche, but I feel like I have to learn about, unpack, and accept my queerness every day that I'm living. I'm realizing mm. something else about who I am or who I thought I was or who I thought I was in this white supremacist patriarchal societal construct that we're in. And so the more I understand about the world around me, the more that I realize so many of the quote unquote choices I thought I was making were actually re reactions to a system that did not want me to be there <laughs> or to exist in a way that was true. And so my understanding of my queerness now is so vastly different than 10 years years ago and even when I came out. But I think that something that remains true about my experience kind of across the board is that I knew that withholding my truth would be harmful not only to myself, but everyone in my orbit, that everyone in my family, everyone in my community would suffer if I didn't do the right thing. And the right thing was to live my truth, that there would be, you know, false relationships and lies and deceit. And the stuff that we're seeing with these legislatures, right, they're popping up in the news all the time. I think there's one today even, right, this Tennessee lawmaker who is pushing all of these like anti-LGBTQ bills, but is also using his checkmark Instagram profile to like and comment on the half-naked pictures of some young twink right <laughs> like, like there's gonna be like this uh, constant harm that'll be done if you don't tell the truth uh, and you don't do the right thing and that's how i think i've acknowledged that my queerness has changed because like i'm constantly asking like is this the truest thing about me let's let's talk a little bit about indigo die if we may yeah let's talk about her i feel like i was there at least pretty early on in origin story <laughs> talk about an origin story i remember your solo performance piece at the time indigo die did not have a last name 
it was just indigo at that moment the last name hadn't revealed itself yet for her tell us a little bit about specifically your drag journey what that was like for you and you know and again it really was very closely tied to your artistic expression and who you were as an artist and then it sort of evolved into what it is now which is like this force but tell us a little bit about your drag journey yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim Miller, who is a legend when it comes to solar performance, came to SMU and we spent some time doing work there. And that is one of the origins of Indigo, right? Like that kind of investigation that we did for that solar performance. And that kernel, I think that I imagined Indigo as a kind of a little sparkly fairy, kind of like... Um, what is the thing from the Disney? Do you know what I'm saying? The little, the princess from Disney? Oh, right. Like pixies or? The one that you have to clap for. And if you don't clap for her, she'll die. Do you know Tinkerbell? what that is? Yeah. Kind of like Tinkerbell. <laughs> oh, Tinkerbell could never. <laughs> yeah, right? But like, imagine her like in the world, like Tinkerbell, but like landing on people's shoulders and like whispering in people's ears, like you can be like fully sexually liberated and love yourself in the way that you need to love yourself and then like floating off, right? Uh, <laughs> and that was definitely sort of the kernel. And Indigo Die, thankfully, I've been able to work with other folks who are alumni of SMU. Molly Murphy, who is an incredible director who just opened the Cowboy Bob musical at the Alley Theater in Houston. And I was able to work with her on a extended project where I was able to kind of investigate a little bit more into what Indigo actually meant for me. And therein kind of came the Indigo Die and the full explanation of that. And it's sort of like a little poem, like Indigo Die, like blue death. <laughs> right? Like death from depression, but make it fashion, right? <laughs> there's, uh, there's a little bit of, of sadness in there, but the solo project that I ended up doing with Molly's direction explored these Japanese monks who essentially mummified themselves in order to sort of transcend the chaos of the world and to become this otherworldly thing. And I think that the transformation process of drag is essentially that, right? It's sort of saying, I see, <laughs> I see you you climate change i see you injustice i see you pain but i also bring you through all of that beauty and joy and giggles <laughs> because we have to in order to be able to get up and continue on through our days and so that's sort of what indigo means for me now in reality what that actually means in practice is online drag bingo and drag crunch <laughs> so i just uh, got off the ultimate disco cruise and so i was doing my little tina turner but yes. i think that Ultimately, that is just, you know, I was doing it for these 70, 80 year old lesbians who were having the time of their life and were so excited to see that the hard work that they've done in their life to be was meaningful and allowed me to be able to perform for them, you know? So I think it's all of those things. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. It's very painful. Just <laughs> everyone who thinks that drag is super fun knows that it's very painful. Everything will hurt all the time. There will be blood, in fact. Uh, <laughs> everything hurts. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> Let's talk about this resurgence in your acting life. I mean, whoa, right? I mean, like you, you are in like a, a moment of momentum that is like just this huge wave of creativity and opportunities. How has that been like for you? Because it's not like these other areas of your life that we've talked about. So from like the arts administration to arts education to doing drag, like none of this stuff is slowing down, right? It's just that other areas have started picking up, especially like with your acting life. So like, what has that been like for you, like dealing with that wave of opportunity? 
so I think that really picked up for me. Uh, what I, I I'm saying this with respect, but I understand what I'm about to say is provocative. Um, with with all the respect <laughs> in the world due to every theater artist in the world, as someone who majored in theater and worked for theater programs for years, theater is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> It's a scam. scam. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) You heard it here first, guys. Um, And uh, like, I'm not going to, you know, my uh, saying that is not going to harm the American theater. I think they're going to be fine after this. Um, But uh, I realized when I came to L.A. that this was the space for me and that film and television was the space for me. And that was going to be where I was happiest, you know. And I remember I moved to LA during the pandemic and got a, a commercial during the pandemic. It was super difficult to be anywhere or do anything. And I remember my co-star like leaning over to me and being like, so great to be back on set. And it was legitimately my first time on any, any set at all. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So great to be back. <laughs> and I was like, I can't tell anyone that like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And so I just kind of continued on pretending like I'd been doing things for a while until like, you know, there were 12 commercials on my belt. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I can actually say (laughs) it's good to be back on set (laughs) and that sort of thing. But it's been really fun. And I actually take it on in the same way that I take on my drag. It really is just boy drag and I think about it and operate with it like that which I think puts less pressure on me I think that early on in my life I felt like there's a lot of pressure to mask how femme I was in order to kind of like fit something and yeah you are obviously fitting something if you're you know auditioning for a role or whatever but I put it all on in the same way I put on all of my drag and that makes more sense to me and feels less disingenuous to me and allows me the opportunity to every once in a while play a straight guy. Love that. It's like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. It's like, I'm I'm not not straight, but I play one on TV. Every once in a while. (laughs) I actually just filmed a a commercial the other day and I was like, I get to be straight in this one. It was super fun. It was so fun. I was typecasting. In... <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so what's next? What's next for you? I mean, you have so many incredible opportunities popping up. You have three, four different careers, you know, multi-hyphenate that you're currently juggling. What's next? Well, so immediately next, I'm actually working with folks at River and Rail Theater Company. You might know them, Emily Ernst and Josh Peterson, Amelia Peterson. I'm going to be going to Knoxville to perform the White Rabbit, Red Rabbit, which is a super cool play that is given to the performer the day of the play (laughs) and performed. We're super excited. We had planned this a while ago and had planned that Indigo Die was going to be performing. And since then, the governor of Tennessee has passed that anti-drag bill. And so I will be performing in defiance of the law (laughs) on April 14th. But I had a talk with Josh and Emily just a couple of days ago, and they're in full support and their board is in full support. And I'm excited to be able to go into that space and do that because I do think, you know, drag is important. And I have had the pleasure of being in drag in the presence of children. And it has been a wonderful experience for all of us, right? I hosted the graduation for PS58, Brooklyn Elementary School, twice during the pandemic uh, 
for those kids. And it was a wonderful experience. And um, uh, I uh, think that everything that's happening with those um, um, anti-trans and anti-drag bills are absolutely absurd. And so I'm excited to be going there and doing that. And then after that, I'm going to be in New York City for a couple of days, visiting the new school, visiting Parsons. And then I'm going to be going to Parsons Paris, our campus there immediately after that, because I've been newly appointed associate director of admission. And so we got to see what's happening on the Paris campus. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, that is that a scoop? I think I scooped you on that one. I think, yeah, it's totally a scoop. I think that my <laughs> boss told me yesterday. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I love getting scoops. Oh, oh my goodness. And there's yes. another thing. Yes. There's another huge, huge thing. I just recorded a single, my first single. What? Breakdown. Maybe I'll send you the link because it should Please. be out a week so that you can attach it to this uh, yes. podcast. I'll break down. It'll be on all of your streaming services, on the Spotify's and the iTunes and all of that. Look it up. Indigo Die Breakdown. It is a hopefully inspirational disco smash mashup, which I'm really excited about. So yeah, I believe that everyone should have a single, even if you're not a singer. I think it's like the new calling card. So I'm going to walk it like I talk it. And here's my <laughs> single. And then next, hopefully we can hear from Darrell. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wouldn't it be oh. great if you dropped your next oh wow <laughs> you know i hope no one's holding their breath on that one <laughs> i'm like music oh it's been so long oh my goodness but you could rap you could sing talkity rap i mean like paris hilton can do it so can you <laughs> right <laughs> what's so interesting i saw just earlier today it was this picture of this child holding a sign and it said look, a man in a dress reading to children. And you know what it was a picture of? It was a picture of Jesus. It was a picture of <laughs> Jesus reading to like little children, like, you know, sitting all around. And there's just something to think about. I agree with what it is that you're saying. You know, right now, politically, things are getting way absurd. And at a certain point, we really do need to figure out as humans that we're all in this together and it does not benefit any of us to oppress others simply for being who they are. I try to be more than just an ally in this. I try to be an accomplice. I'm a board member with the New York Transgender Advocacy Group, NITAG, and I take that work very seriously. I say all the time until trans black women living at or below the poverty level get free, ain't none of us free. No, none, of us. none of us. So we're all in this together and I just want to thank you for your courage. You stayed just ahead of your time. That was true back in, you know, and it's true today, you know. So. You got it. You got it. That is the right year. <laughs> You have just listened to another episode of Fluency with Dr. Darrell Cooper. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please be sure to follow us on all major streaming platforms as well as on all of our social media channels for Cultural Innovation Group and Darrell Cooper. And remember, the journey to liberation starts with loving yourself. And those are doctor's orders. <laughs>